1: Welcome to the Ahsoka Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm John,
2: And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Star Wars Disney Plus series Ahsoka Season 1 Part 4, Fallen Jedi.
1: In this podcast, we'll be doing an arc-by-arc breakdown of the episode and answering listener feedback, including a great lore bomb from Alicia about Force users with less sensitivity with the Force.
2: (laughs) Not so strong in the ways. But if you're strong in the ways and you want to send us some feedback, um, please do. We'd love to hear how you are thinking about the show and the season so far. Email us at starwars@thelorehounds.com or head over to our website. And there we have a contact form and a voicemail feature. You can use any of the above um, to send us feedback.
1: You can also chat with us on our discord server. We have a special channel set up for Ahsoka as well as a general star Wars channel, We have a fun and welcoming community, and we look forward to chatting with you there. Links for feedback and the Discord server are in the show notes.
2: And if it works for you, uh, maybe consider subscribing to our Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you get ad-free and early access to all of our podcasts, plus a ton of other exclusive benefits.
1: If you don't mind ads, you can always find us on all the major podcasting platforms, as well as Spotify and YouTube. We have a dedicated Star Wars feed set up, so if you're only interested in that content, you can subscribe to that feed, or you can find our main feed where we publish everything nerdy we cover. Search for the Lorehounds in any of those podcast platforms to find and subscribe today.
2: And if you got a chance, maybe uh, rate and review us. We love to get rating and reviews. We read all the reviews, and ratings help our visibility. And the more people that are able to listen, the more that we're able to produce all the different projects that we've got going on.
1: I got to tell you, David, th- I have no idea how Apple podcast works because <laughs> it's weird, one of our it? feeds that does like 10 percent. The downloads of our main feed is above our main feed right now in the rankings. And I, I just don't think really? there's any. <laughs> yes, I so don't bizarre. know why. I don't know why our Wheel of Time feed is somehow above our main feed anyway. Doesn't matter.
2: Anyway, yeah, like and and rate. It helps us anyway. It
1: it does help, especially with the newer feeds, like the Star Wars feed, like the Wheel of Time feed. Uh, This, though, is your general purpose. Spoiler warning. We're going to talk about all things Star Wars, so Rebels, Clone Wars, any other live action stuff. So if you don't want something spoiled, you may want to go watch everything in Star Wars and then come
2: back. (laughs) You know, just take a few minutes, zip through it all.
1: I think I think most people who are looking for the lore behind it, though, won't mind a few details from other shows to save them seven seasons of The Clone Wars <laughs> and four seasons of Rebels.
2: It's a lot of content.
1: It sure is. And we've got a lot to get through tonight. So, David, what did you think of the episode?
2: Wow. I think this is the show that we've all been waiting for. Uh, mm-hmm. It's here. It has arrived. And uh, I think a lot of people are, I don't know, uh, the commentary that I've been seeing and a little bit of podcasting I've been listening to, everybody seems to be pretty blown away. My personal feeling is is that I was surprised and delighted. They caught me several times very flat-footed about what was going to happen and how it was going to go down, and I loved that. We watch a lot of television, and you know we get used to certain patterns and tropes and devices and the way that... TV gets made and there was a couple of really nice moments in this episode where I didn't predict what was going to happen. I couldn't predict and I, that made me happy. It it really excited me and the action, the visuals, oh my gosh, the lighting in this episode was gorgeous. The lightsabers flashing, the music continues to be great. I love the little flute and drum that's a very, uh, I think, Japanese-inspired style Mm -hmm. music. And then with some orchestral stuff weaving in with it, just um, exceptional uh, TV making. A lot of energy and a lot of power in this episode. And uh, yeah, the pace is picking up. And I think Jean, one of our co-hosts on the MC Universe, I've said this a couple times now in our Ahsoka coverage, You know, he theorized, well, they're going to start ramping it up. And I totally think he wins some internet points for uh, mm-hmm. predicting that. You know, I think we're really starting to feel the pace pick up. This episode was was really good. Um, what about you?
1: This feels like this was supposed to be the second half of the third episode.
2: Okay. Right? Yeah,
1: because the third episode, nothing happened basically, mm. and it was but- them getting to the planet. I almost think. It might have been better received. The third episode would definitely have been better received if you had this at the end of it. Then it's an hour-long episode where you have this crazy set of fights. Sure. At the same time, it is nice to just have a half-hour show and not have to go a full hour. I know I'm loving The Wheel of Time Season 2. I'm loving Foundation. But sometimes it's a big commitment to sit on your couch for an hour for a lot of people. Right. right, right, and uh, especially It'd when pay you have to watch it multiple times for pick this. up lore. Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: You get a you get to work. It's right. a it's a hard show as opposed to an easy show.
1: Yeah. So the first time I watched it, I was really impressed by the visuals. I was really impressed by, you know, all of all of the lightsaber fights, all of the the action. But there were certain character beats where I was like, I don't know if that's really in that character based on what I know from the animation. Uh-huh and it it certain things irked me, especially with Sabine. But on the, the second watch, I caught things where I said, I think this character has just grown into a different direction since rebels uh-huh and i I think this actually does make sense, and they're surprising me with an explanation. Well, we' not unexplained. it's good.
2: OK, we get we got to we got to jump through a couple of things probably because but we got to get into that because that is a that's a significant detail from what you were seeing earlier today when we were talking offline.
1: <laughs> I know. I, off-line. Well, I, I watched it a second time and I was like, all right, I like it now. So OK, <laughs> I, I, my minor quibbles even went away with my second watch.
2: You had a big bowl of cereal. Not even,
1: I think, I think actually I paid attention to the lore details oh. that I might have missed the first time. Oh. And that is actually what reduced my quibbles. Okay. My one quibble is stop de-aging these actors. Right. I had some Uncanny Valley th- stuff going on with Hayden Christensen. He doesn't look that old, guys. He, he, he You can just put him there. Yeah, just you do, just do put some him makeup. In the costume. Yeah, do the makeup. Yeah. He'll be fine. Maybe, and you know, it might even make sense, like, you have Anakin reverting to his old self, but he also has his older wisdom post-saving Luke and whatnot. Maybe he does age a little bit in the world between worlds. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, very interesting. We've got definitely got some details to uh, talk about in this episode. So, um, before we get into the episode, I just want to do a couple of quick callbacks i uh-huh. uh, like to touch base on a couple of things that we you know we uh, missed or or learned from the previous time. And there was one thing, I believe it was in episode one, that we might have missed a little bit. And some people were talking about this. Balon was uh, standing at the hinge and looking up into the sky. And then there was a shadow of a purgle in the clouds passing oh, by. Oh, cool, yeah. And that was before, you know, we, it was either one or two no, it must have been episode two before we actually saw the purgles. So
0: mm, yeah. that was
2: a, and, you know, he's standing there looking up and the camera looks up with him. And then apparently there was a, a purgle up in the, in the clouds there. And then cool. this is less of a specific, uh, detail, but more of a general comment. You know, one of the things that irked me last episode was Ahsoka outside the ship. Right. Uh, with her helmet, with, you know, a fitted helmet that sort of fit her tails and stuff. And I was just like, oh, this is kind of silly. Well, I, I
1: think if that's her ship, she would have a fitted helmet, right? Of You'd course, she would. She's it was, outside doing repairs. Yeah.
2: It just looked, it just looked weird for me. And, um, but, you know, the, the truth is, is that that's a very Ahsoka thing to do. That's a very animated thing to do, right? That that, sure. that happened, I think, in multiple episodes of the animated series where, you know, they were outside the ship or, you know, things were going on or Ahsoka just being a total badass. Don't and, watch the,
1: the arc where they go underwater and fight. Just okay. Do so it. yeah, there you go, right? You it all it. fits
2: within that. So these little nods and these little pulls from the animated series, and you don't have to have seen animated stuff to get that, but that's what the vibe is that they're transmitting. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough.
1: I think that's right. I think uh maybe the issue was it was more tonally disjunct.
2: Yes. Within that's this. A, yes.
1: So I yeah. Agree with I that. I I think that, that it had some issues with that. Episode yeah. three was certainly the weakest so far. Episode four, I think, be the strongest so far. So let's hope that-, that it keeps going up.
2: I don't know that I would typify it as weak though. It's the quiet before the big action. And so when the big action does, you're not, you haven't overloaded your senses and your sensibilities. And so you just have to keep ramping it up. There's a quiet, it's a little bit of a palate cleanser. It's sort of setting you and then boom, they hit you with the action. And then the action actually um, means something. and And the intensity actually has an impact as opposed to trying to fight through the previous mm-hmm. action where you're all ramped up from that already. So
1: I think if you took like three minutes from the last episode and put it into this episode, you didn't need the last episode at all. If
2: you took okay. the uh, Hera
1: council scene mm-hmm. and the crash landing and put it into this episode, skip the space battle. I think you're fine.
2: I think you could, oh, the the space battle you could totally cut out. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff with, well, maybe I'm going to take that back. You could have certainly shortened that up a little bit, but I think the important thing that happened in the last episode was setting up some more of the detail between Ahsoka and Sabine. Oh, hell we should just roll right into this. Sure. <laughs> we're, sure. we're, we're into it now. Um, so let's just skip our production notes. We'll, we could talk about those later. It doesn't really matter. Uh, right. One of the arcs that we're going to talk about is the bad guys and their plan. Another one is Sabine and Ahsoka. We've got some forest fights that we want to cover. We've got to talk about the Balon versus Ahsoka fight. We've definitely got to talk about Hera and Tae and Tiva. And um, I think that will do it for for this episode. So we're we're still going to talk about snips. Oh, snips? Are we going to? We got to talk about snips at the very end. Did you put that? Oh. Yeah.
1: Hayden's Hayden's little appearance. Oh, and right, right, yeah. By yeah, the yeah. way, you we had gone back and forth on whether we should call the prep series snips because we were like, is that too deep a cut? Is that right. something only the animated people are going to know? Well, aren't you glad we didn't now because now people are going to be like snips. <laughs> snips. They're going to we're going to get that SEO so hard when people google that.
2: You're so high on SEO.
1: <laughs> oh, the SEO drug is strong. That's right. It's just like so, spice.
2: We should talk about Sabine and Ahsoka first because we're here. So Fair enough. uh, I think in episode three, the whole training sequence and the whole building up of what's going on with Hera and Ahsoka, I don't think Sabine's choice at the end of the – or not the end of this episode, but in this episode when she gives Bailon the map, I don't think it would have been as potent if you hadn't had that – Set up in three where they're trying to reestablish their relationship and refigure things out. And then going into the fight scene, the sort of dogfight, you know, World War II dogfight scene, where Ahsoka needed to check her ego and put herself aside and say, oh, you know what? Sabine is actually really good with this stuff, you know, weapons and tactics and, you know, dogfighting. Yeah. And equipment and all of this kind of stuff. Let me support her because that's the impor- That's what's important right here in this moment. And I don't think the turn. Uh, it's not really a heel turn, but this this pivot that Sabine does. I don't think it is as impactful without those things in episode three.
1: Yeah. I think this episode was full of a bunch of dumb person behavior on both of their
2: parts. (laughs) That's what my wife said. That was our chief complaint. We watched it together last night. She's like, "What are these? What is with these?" She was really (laughs) mad at Sabine and the writers for like making Sabine do all these, you know, these uh, and Ahsoka. I'm mad at too, honestly. Mm -hmm.
1: But I think they both of their dumb decisions make sense within their character flaws. What was Ahsoka's
2: dumb decision?
1: Okay, Uh, Ahsoka's dumb decision is leaving her Padawan with the person who literally just almost killed her.
2: Yeah. I mean, like,
1: you got this. You got this. When she could have defeated her in like 10 seconds. She just defeated someone who was clearly many levels above her. She could have just shut her down, grabbed her lightsaber with the force, just, you know, cut her down right away. Would have taken her seconds. And then, and then they the could have two both teamed up, yeah. just like Hu Yang said. Exactly That's the biggest like part Yang of this said. is mm-hmm. Hu Yang comes in. David Tennant, my guy, says, hey, by the way, you two are much better together. Make sure you stay together. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, cool. Oh, very good, he says. And uh, yeah, they they completely they break that instantly. <laughs> they were full of shit, yeah. Uh, like it made sense when they had two people going up against them. Need to split it up a little bit. Fine. Okay, Marrock's down. Go over to Sabine, literally just like push her down, push, mm-hmm. push Shin down, and you're done.
2: Right. Just or force throw her. Yeah. From across the forest or something.
1: Yeah. It took one force throw to to get her down later. Yeah. She didn't yeah. understand. <laughs> this was such dumb person behavior. But. Ahsoka is such some, a lone Do you need some wolf. cereal, John? No, I don't, because this is good writing. It's good okay. writing about dumb people. Right. And Ahsoka...
2: I love this distinction.
1: Ahsoka has been so used to being on her own, has been so like the rebel, has been so just loose cannon, that when Sabine nudges her to go away, she's like, yep, got it, I'm going. Doesn't even think for a second. Hey, might be more efficient if I just help her out here. And we move on together.
2: Well, that's what they say in all the uh, pilot movies, right? And with dogfighting, is you never leave your wingman.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't
2: you know you're you don't split up that way. Or in D and D, you know everybody always says don't don't split the party. Um, don't split the party, and there you go. There. I know
1: that because when I play Baldur's Gate three, if I click G, it'll split the party.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and so, what do you think of this? whole situation with sabine can i count on you of of course you can you know and and nope you can't you know she she failed the test uh she made a different choice she chose to go a different way what do you what are your thoughts and feelings about sabine here in this moment
1: well she never agreed not to do what she did she just you know can i count on you yeah to be myself you know i think i think sabine is very (laughs) confident who she is and uh um I think what do you make of her choice? Well, we're missing context at this point that we get later in the episode, which is that she lost her whole family Mm -hmm. seemingly in the war that Bo-Katan lost on Mandalore against what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito.
2: Oh, um, uh, yes, I'm lanking now, but Sorry.
1: Someone is currently raging in their car, and I'm sorry. But
2: <laughs> Click the email button in the show notes and, and let us know. <laughs> Moff, Gideon.
1: Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. I got there. I got, there. I got there. You got it. Anyway, so. You can Mar- cancel I- that email now. Yes. It sounds like Sabine's parents and family died with Moff Gideon because this was not something in Rebels. We know that this happened in the time between Rebels and the Mandalorian. So we, ha- we have not seen this. We know that Mandalore was ruined during that period. We've just seen the aftermath. And we've had, you know, speeches of Giancarlo Esposito where he's waxing and waning on this. But um, anyway, my point is we're lacking that context here where we know that there is a big rift between her and Ahsoka beyond just the Ezra thing. Mm-hmm. And there's this distrust of Sabine, of Ahsoka, where she's like, maybe I should follow what I think is right. Rather than what Ahsoka says is right.
2: Mm, sometimes we have to do what's right regardless of our personal feelings. Where have we heard that, but in other in another phrase recently?
1: I don't recall. Is it is this a uh a, this a foundation, a foundation ca- thing?
2: Yeah, I'm crossing the streams here. Okay. Don't let your beliefs get in the way of doing what's right.
1: Oh, good call. Good uh, call. That is a good <laughs> that is a good call. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah, and and in I guess in this moment, Sabine is feeling that what is right is to find Ezra, no matter the cost, no matter the fact that you're going to mm-hmm. bring Thrawn back, the most dangerous of all your foes, uh, and you're going to bring him back right when the New Republic is you know weak at the knees, so to speak. You know that they're they're mm-hmm. just trying to get. St- Stood up and and get things organized, and now you're going to bring back this this major threat. Why? Because you're feeling guilty. You're feeling sad. You 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 miss He's him. You got
0: attachment.
1: Oh no, yeah. the dreaded Jedi attachment.
2: And Whoa. this is yes, exactly. This is totally the the whole thing. Right? Is is a Jedi attachment uh, d- a disorder, syndrome? What do we? I don't know. <laughs> we need to call it something. Um, that yeah, she. When the whole point of what Ezra did, you know, and if you haven't seen the animated series, the the short of it is, is that Anakin sacrificed. I'm not sorry, Anakin. Uh, Ezra sacrificed himself to save the, you know, the galaxy and his friends. And Sabine is undoing all of that in this moment because what her feelings?
1: Right, and I think I brought this up in our conversation off air earlier, where I said. It it, it felt a little out of character for me because Sabine is the one who saw Ezra going for the escape hatch and going to Thrawn and giving himself up so that he could save them. Right. And she's the one who saw him do that and distracted the rebel so he could do it. She did say, I don't want you to do this. This was her in her head. She's thinking, I don't want you to do this, but I know that you're doing the right thing, so I'm going to let you do it. Right. And maybe, you know, you can make an argument. She didn't know what would happen to Ezra. She thought he might escape and she didn't realize it would be this final of him being exiled to another galaxy. But I don't know. It does feel very different from that character at the end of Rebels. And I think the best explanation is what we get later. Okay. She lost her whole family. She needs somebody now.
2: Okay. What happened so, to her,
1: though? Is, he, is she not family to Sabine? Because they were very close in Rebels.
2: Yeah. I mean, she was the mom. So, and well, this, this is an interesting inflection point, too, because this show has to stand on its own feet and work without relying on having everyone seen Rebels. Because this right. is live right. action. It's got, you know, Rosario Dawson, Ray Stevens, you know, a whole bunch of people you can't say to viewers who are going to be coming to this, uh, who are coming because of the names and because it's live action um, and, and, you know, coattailing off of Mandalorian a little bit, you can't say to them, Oh, by the way, go watch, you know, however many hours of, of rebels content, this show has to, to work here. So, you know, I think you're right that the the line about losing her family ate at something with her. But it was such a short line mm-hmm. that it almost doesn't have uh, as much impact as it should have for this. But I don't know how else you kind of set that up.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, again, um, that, that's not in Rebels, but we do meet her family in Rebel, Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess if I'm going to argue against myself upon the Hera point is at this point, because the comms were down – She has no idea that Hera was coming for her. She might feel abandoned by Hera, too.
2: Right. So she just lost her master. Right. She thinks she's lost her master.
1: Where's Zeb, rather? Right. Uh, He's just MIA. I don't know why they brought him into the Mandalorian just to not have him here. I'm sure he'll show up by the end of the season. I'll be very confused if he doesn't.
2: Can we just segue really quickly on that? Yes. (laughs) Were you completely expecting him to be in one of those X-Wing cockpits as they were going around Showing everybody? Yeah,
1: maybe. I, I think it's not totally his style, but it would have been cool to see him anyway.
2: I I, I was – the way that they set him up in the Mandalorian at the bar with all the other fighter pilots, I just was I, counting down. Okay, there's you know five X-wings. Okay, here's here – they're showing us one, two, three. Where's Zeb? Where's Zeb? Where's Zeb? Where's Zeb? Where's Zeb? And then there's no Zeb. I was like, no. Well, that we was were a, all really waiting
1: a, for Teva, so – <laughs> yeah, that was the one Garcentana. that we were all clamoring for. That's
2: right. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we, we segued off of somewhere. You were you were arguing against yourself.
1: I'm fine. I'm done arguing against myself. Okay. Why don't we talk about some bad guys?
2: <laughs> all right. So what do you think of their plan so far?
1: Well, your map MacGuffin is back, so sorry. It is.
2: I was surprised <laughs> by that. I thought they were just going to be done with it. But no, it actually figured pretty prominently in here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, I will say that I think that it's overkill to destroy the map for them to not be followed because you can't get the New Republic to send a single ship to this planet. You're not going to get them to fund a ship capable of making this jump. Nobody was going to follow you anyway, Balon. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like nobody was coming. That is not in the New Republic budget. Uh,
2: That's a good point. Uh, It was still very dramatic for him to destroy the map, though. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Uh, I will say that I I did enjoy the way that it sort of cracked. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I think fine. It sets up the ticking clock for the episode. It ratchets Uh up the tension. Uh, You know, you have this smug look on Morgan's face the whole time that just made me want her to fail the whole time. She was really (laughs) good at playing a villain because I was like, oh, my God, I hate you. Every time I saw her, that smug smile, a smirk on her face, I was like. Oh, I want Ahsoka to smack that off your face right now!
2: Oh my! And she's got her big ship, and they're off. Uh, I didn't, you know, in a, in another show they might have dragged that out a little bit more for an episode or two more. Oh, that's the that season
1: a, finale of the Mandalorian,
2: yeah. right? Uh, instead, we get it here at uh, at four, which I think is great because we do we need to see Thrawn. We need to see some evidence of Thrawn. We need to see some evidence of Ezra. I think that's smart television making is to not mm-hmm. withhold it for so long.
1: Yeah. I mean, it took us a full season to get Grogu a freaking piece of chain mail. So um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine.
2: Well, we got the, uh, you know, in the Mandalorian, we got a lot. I mean, they went straight to Mandalore. in
1: season. Yeah, three. I know they, they did pick it up in season three. Yeah. Which was good. Uh,
2: So yeah, their plan worked and uh, there's no one, no way for anybody to follow them. So, and, and, Hu Yang is just there <laughs> by himself, Era. Nobody's got any way to to get there. So the action is cut off. So that's going to be an interesting plot uh device in that our heroes are now scattered. Ahsoka's in the world be uh mm-hmm. in you know the between and Sabine is is off. So Yeah, that's that's a really interesting setup. They really put themselves into a corner, and I have no idea how they're going to get out of it.
1: Yes, I I think that's right. I mean, I I think they need to bring Thrawn back. That's their whole goal. So at some point, they're going to come back, and Ahsoka's going to be like, all right, let me at him. And that is just going to be what it's. She's not dead. She's not dead. She's not no, going to die in d- her titular series.
2: <laughs> what uh, What do you think is uh, Balon's motivations here? He keeps I hinting think- at this greater power, this greater good. You got to destroy to create uh, stuff. What do you have any sense of what it is? I don't.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not totally sure, but he does seem to have some. Okay, the Jedi created the monster that is Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for a new way. Maybe there was, in his eyes, less suffering under the Empire. You know, we do know that the general population of the Empire did not really know all of the atrocities that the Empire was doing. The question is, how involved was Balon during the Imperial reign? I feel like if he was very involved, he probably would have shown up in previous media mm. but i think he was probably a mercenary someone you know for hire he was doing the bad batch thing for until recently when he goes all right um let me let me try to put some order back in this world because all of a sudden everything in order crumbled around me the new republics doing a crappy job which quite honestly they are doing a crappy job they are not governing very efficiently
2: mm-hmm. so
1: i think maybe that is part of his motivation but all speculation could be anything.
2: So I don't know that I go with the um, the thought that he is an empire, um, you know, resurgentist. Uh, I guess if you want to say it, something like that. He, he's not holding out for the empire. I think he's seeing or in touch with something. Uh, I don't want to call it mystical, but there's, you know, he keeps hinting at greater power and, and, a different way of, you know, doing things and whatnot. And I don't wonder if he's, what is it? Yeah. I, I don't know what, I don't know how to describe nor uh, understand what he's pointing at, but I don't think it is as simple as, Oh, just put the empire back in order, uh, you know, and, and the universe will be fine. I think he's he's looking at something very different than that sort of mundane concerns.
1: Okay, fair enough.
2: So yeah, but what it is, I I really don't know. I I, I'm they're really surprising me with this stuff. Same thing with uh, Maroc, right? Like everybody's like, oh, who's Maroc? Who's underneath the mask? Who's underneath the mask? I mean, we had a great lore uh, uh, voicemail from Alicia last week on all the speculation. Nope, he was just some. You know, Night Sister witchy magic. Uh, so they're doing a great job of misdirecting us at different things. And I really like the idea that Balon is in a Thanosian kind of way, if I can say it that way. <laughs> sure. Um, that there's something bigger and greater, that there's some larger operating principle that he has um, uh, his attention on. And they haven't given us enough information about that yet to really speculate.
1: Right. Yeah. And I will say what a loss of Ray Stevenson, because oh my he God. is oh my God. excellent in the show. Every line is just dripping with contempt. It's so it's just so good. Like the delivery is just so good. Every line they give him, he just milks every drop out of it. And not yes. in a way that feels like overacting, but in a no. way that feels like someone who truly has lost faith in whatever his original cause was mm-hmm. and is just doing what he needs to do now.
2: Mm. It's it, his physicality, his um the looks in his eyes, the way he fights, his fighting style. All of it is exceptional and it's such a loss for for us as a, you know, a, a fans of his acting and all of the different things that he is was yet to do uh in his right. acting career.
1: Would have loved to see more of him in Incredible. this series and more. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right, should we talk about some <laughs> forest fights? <laughs>
1: is that like forest fires? Do you fight forest fires fights, with Smokey the, Smoke the Bear forest. and Hu Yang?
2: Yep. Hu Yang was doing some rock'em sock'em robots there.
1: I like that. I really liked the moment where Sabine goes, you know, "Oh, your idiot robot is destroying is a ship is is messing up." So he's like, "Uh, he wouldn't do that." Let's go, right? You know, she <laughs> just immediately knows something's wrong. Yeah, you know, that's not in Hu Yang's personality, if, if if this droid has one, I guess he does. And anyway, the, that is a great way to kick off that fight. I I really like that. Then Ahsoka v. Marok was very cool. We got the spinny lightsaber for the
2: Inquisitors. They <laughs> do. Whenever the Inquisitors use the spinny lightsaber things, does it ever work out well for them? It always seems to. Well, they could use it as a
1: helicopter in Rebels. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's about the only use that the spinny... <laughs> I think I
1: think it does work for their main job, which is to find basically children who can force use. I almost said channel because we're doing the Wheel of Time children who can use the force uh, and just kind of just destroy them. And nobody can fight against them because they have this wall of lightsaber against them. I think uh, it does work for most of their gigs when they find older Jedi. Again, I think it works against the less experienced ones. I think it, it works against the weaker ones. It does not work against Ahsoka.
2: No, she just walks right through it. And, uh, it, you know, interesting callback to, to, I believe episode two, when she's fighting him in the, on the Corellian shipyards mm-hmm. and he jumps up onto the ramp of the shuttle when Hottie comes to get him and he calls his lightsaber back and she just sort of, you know, twists her body ever so slightly as it comes mm-hmm. spinning back yeah. and, and goes over her shoulder and, that is a perfect pairing with her just sidestepping him in this moment and, you know, uh, giving him that fatal blow. So mm-hmm. nicely done. What was Meron? Was he just a uh, night magic, night sister witchy magic?
1: Maybe. That's a good question. I, I don't know if it will ever get a satisfying explanation, but I do need to call out some more dumb person behavior here. which okay. Is that go ahead.
2: Oh well, I was gonna say with Merrick too. The gas that escaped him, the way that those little particles and everything flowed out of him looked, or or gave me a lot of visual reminder to the way that um, Morgan's hologram communicator, visual communicator uh-huh. thing worked. So Which it was, was that. very
1: cool. That was a very cool effect with the the communicator. Right.
2: And so whether it was just the way that the animation is working but it's it it at at a minimum at a middle ground it's visually consistent with her night sister magic and and all of her technology and going even a bit further you could say okay well there's not that he's a hologram but that this is part and parcel of of how she operates and what she's doing mm-hmm. and yeah he was totally a kind of uh, ghost. And there's, oh, another callback. Didn't um, in one of our feedbacks last month, I won't spoil it, but I believe Alan W. wrote in and he was talking about the Knights of the Old Republic. And when Darth Sion, when you defeat Darth Sion, something similar happens.
1: It was that he let go of the force right, and his body kind of crumbled.
2: Is this spoilery?
1: I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't think anyone's playing Knights of the Old Republic two anytime soon.
2: Okay, sorry if the, we spoiled the, the game. The for you.
1: second one is not very. <laughs> it's not nearly as popular as the first
2: one. First one. Okay, fair enough. So anyway, just an interesting thing that you know, Mark was you know um, this this dust monster in a suit.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I do now need to call out the dumb person behavior that I observed here, which is that we have Ahsoka who literally in the novelization and in the uh, Tales of the Jedi episode, defeated a fully armed Inquisitor without using a lightsaber. And yet, (laughs) yet she toys with this guy. She takes her time doing her cool person walk. She really really just milks this interaction instead of going right for the kill and getting him done. When her Padawan is struggling for her life, steps away, with someone who literally just landed a nearly fatal blow on her, what is wrong with Ahsoka? Why can't she just not be a cool kid for one minute and just do the job? I it, it was it was not it was not a good decision, and, mm-hmm. and I think throughout the episode she does not great, she makes not great decisions.
2: Right. Uh, it really. You know, I hadn't thought about it before. You know, and you were talking about it at the top of the episode, and, and talking about it a little bit more here. I'm just going to pour myself a bowl of cereal and, <laughs> and ignore this fact because no, it is. I, again,
1: I, I think that it's not it's not unreasonable for this character. Right. It's just stupid of them.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's it is a it is a dumb tactical decision. Yeah. And I think I think uh, Sabine makes a dumb tactical decision later when she could have just shot at Balon when he's about to strike Ahsoka off the, the cliff.
1: Oh, he would have slapped that right away from her. He would have,
2: but then that would have given Ahsoka a moment to either scramble out of the way or uh, attack him from the other direction, right? It was, a, you know, as a distraction. So, yeah, so there are a lot of dumb tactical decisions overall in here, mm-hmm. you know? If she had just, you know, distracted, you know, him, yeah, he would have swatted it away, but that would have given ahsoka a moment to you know scramble out of the way or re-attack him it's not until he turns and walks towards sabine that she starts blasting at him and i love the way that he parries these things he is not he's just like it's effortless it is and Mm -hmm. i'm just doing simple movements up down left right you know very simple i don't need to be flashy uh i'm very efficient in my (laughs) (laughs) yeah in my wielding
1: And if he wanted to, he could totally deflect that back at her. He clearly has the skill to do that. I don't think Shin has that kind of precision, Mm
2: -hmm. but I
1: think that he does. And if he wanted to kill Sabine there, he could.
2: So we should jump back really quick, back to our force fights and talk quickly about Sabine and uh, Hattie. Uh, Is this more uh, uh, part two of their meat cute? Part two
1: of their meat cute. Yeah, and... One thing I'll note here is that she wins, Sabine wins, by being a Mandalorian fighter. Yes. Instead of forcing herself to be in the Jedi stuff. My favorite part, of course, was the fake out. I'm going to use the force. No, I'm going to close my fist and use a Mandalorian technique.
2: Every, it seems to be a lot of folks are enjo- enjoyed that particular uh, ruse de guerre, as the, one might say.
1: Yeah. You have no power. power. She's so. She's so... Whiny, but also I I do think that they keep portraying her as this person who likely was found in a dire situation by Balon, mm-hmm. right, and was rescued and from some terrible situation, right. And she thinks that holding on to power is the only way you keep yourself safe. Not an unreasonable character motivation, right? I I yeah. think that that's good writing. That's that's keeping someone believable, keeping someone. I, I think as a trope that we've seen many times, but a good one.
2: Yeah. Um, and this idea that the Mandalorians. So finally, you know, in this fight, I was less worried about Sabine because she's been doing a little bit of training, you know, since the last one. Mm-hmm. And in this one, she's wearing her armor and has all of her Mandalorian stuff, which is all the Mandalorian's fought Jedi, right? And sure, their, yeah. their armor is built, you know, there's a lot of what is there about in their fighting styles and their armor is about being able to fight against Jedi. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, a Beskar really- Beskar
1: can deflect a lightsaber, yep.
2: Exactly. So that was a nice extra component to to this is that, yeah, when she's in her Mandalorian-ness, she can stand up for longer against Hattie's uh, power and, mm-hmm. and uh, skills, so-
1: and of course, they have to nerf her a little bit by knocking off her helmet. So now there is an exposed yes. part of her body that can be hit, which I think was good. I think that upped the stakes for me.
2: Right. Uh, you know, whenever you wear a helmet, just wear the the chin strap. You know, it's a really com- critical piece of no, the. Not if you're a Mandalorian.
1: <laughs> no, actually, actually, if you're if you're a Din Jarin type of Mandalorian, you absolutely should, absolutely should have the chin strap on because. You don't want that to come off. You're going to have Everybody's to go. Everybody's trying
2: to take it off all the you, time on you, know, off yeah. of you anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're going to have to go all the way back to Mandalore, see the stupid Mythosaur, and yeah. Yeah. You're not going to have a good
2: time. 10 out of 10 for the fight scene with uh, Shin and Sabine here. The lighting in the forest was amazing. There's a couple of shots where they're staring into each other's eyes, and it just looks gorgeous with the red and the green light and the dark forest. It was a really visually sumptuous uh, fight mm-hmm. scene, and I just I, I enjoyed the style. I enjoyed the lightsabers swinging around in the the dark of the forest. It was it was really well done. It was really yes. a satisfying lightsaber battle.
1: And you can tell from her body language, from her movements, that Shin is someone who feels powerful, but Mm -hmm. maybe is not refined at this point. Right. Because she has largely, it seems, been going around with her master, killing people who are defenseless against lightsabers, who Mm -hmm. just don't have what it takes to go up against a lightsaber. They've got blasters. They've got nothing. She is someone who has been in situations most of the time where people fear her. Now you have someone with a lightsaber, how many times has she actually gone up against someone with a lightsaber other than her master?
2: Mm, yeah, very, very few. There's not, not many a people. lot of opportunities. Yeah, right.
1: Not, just not a lot of opportunities in this universe right now. And yeah, I think that she did a great job. This actor. Uh, you, you can remind me her name if you want. If not, then
2: uh, Bordizzo or um, no, no.
1: The shin actor.
2: Oh, right. We're going to have to look it up.
1: That's all right. I know she and was she. big in Ukraine. And she uh, came over and started acting in more American media recently. But she is doing a great job of portraying someone who is thinking she is dangerous but has a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. Like the way she moves is it feels clunkier than Balon in a good way. Like it feels naturally clunkier than Balon. Mm -hmm. It feels full of rage. It feels somewhere between Kylo Kylo Ren. It feels Mm -hmm. like a young Kylo Ren, right? Right, because you remember Kylo Ren would do these big sweeping motions. He's got the dangerous lightsaber with the side pieces. I could see her swinging something like that. But she also is still very raw in this yeah. in this practice, and and really I really feel that rawness. She is doing an excellent job portraying that with physicality,
2: and I love the costuming for both uh, Shin and Balon here with this very. Um, uh, they look like knights, right, with the pauldrons yes, yeah. and uh, the. They don't. They're not really wearing breastplates as such, um, but with the the forearm armor, which I forget the name of, just it. They they look like a pair, and it's minimalistic but functional, and it just looks badass. So yeah, again, no notes for the uh, production team and the costuming. It's everything is yeah. looking great.
1: Great job. David, I think we need to take a quick break before we finish the episode, so let's do that. And we're back. David, uh, let's discuss... Balon versus Ahsoka, although I think Oof. we've already hashed out most of it.
2: Some of it. Some of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. This is the fight that I've been waiting for.
1: Yes, uh, I know. You you had <laughs> said earlier in the day yesterday, really hope that we get a Balon versus Ahsoka fight tonight, and you got your wish.
2: The in one of the teasers, they showed them facing off with the map orb around them, right? In the in the hinge. And it just felt like okay. You know, episode four. It has to. This has to be the moment when when it happens because they're on the planet's surface. You know, the bad guy's plan is going into effect. It just seemed very natural for for it to occur. Yeah, and I was not at all. I could have watched another ten minutes of them fighting. <laughs> to be <laughs> honest, it oh was no, I, I
1: think that lightsaber fights work best when they're short.
2: You know what I mean, though just just seeing yeah, Rosario yeah, yeah. Dawson and Ray Stevenson's physicality their looks at each other, the, the, you know, the words spoken all just the way that the fight was choreographed. I could just, that's a, a, a meal. I could just keep eating over and over and over again.
1: I am questioning why Ahsoka was so hesitant to use her second lightsaber.
2: I was thinking about this and I have thoughts.
1: Okay. please uh,
2: do. And I have thoughts in general about their fight as well. The at the very beginning, uh when they're after they've you know I, they've just dealt with the perfunctory stuff, right? Oh, you're going to take off your cloak. I take off my cloak. We'll, we'll you know exchange a few pleasantries in in words. And again,
1: you have a ticking time bomb next to you, <laughs> and you're going to casually throw off your coat, right? Sw- saunter over to him. It's all a little back and forth. I was like, dumb person behavior. You know, it's smart for Balon to engage her in conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. For her to let him.
2: Exactly. All right. Talk all you
1: want, buddy. I'm going to stab the map now.
2: (laughs) So she takes up uh, first position and then starts moving around. And he, you know, counters with his position. Okay. You're going to do that form. I'm going to do this form. She changes her form. And he doesn't change his form. He just settles into his form even more. And she attacks. Boom, boom, boom. They have a little fight. Then they're both a little bit like, whoa. Uh, she's a, you know, she's taken aback by his, I think, his power. And he's sort of impressed with her speed and agility. I'm putting, I'm making this up based on what I'm seeing on on screen. So then he goes into a form, she goes into a form, he attacks, they go a couple of rounds and then they, you know, they break apart a little bit more and then boom, the fight is on. So they've, they felt each other out. They've checked each other's, um, you know, how fast are you? How agile are you? How powerful are you? And I think this is, again, I'm just making this up. Because you know I'm a master. I'm not a master swordsman. I've just watched a few you know movies on mm-hmm. on TV, Saturday matinees and whatnot.
1: Well, well, I've seen The Princess Bride, so I know exactly how a sword fight works.
2: Exactly. So she, I think, discovers in the middle of this fight that Balon is not only fast, and is he not only agile, but he is. Physically strong, powerful. So when he's hitting her with those blows, they are heavy blows that are knocking her back and taking a lot of strength from her to just hold on to her saber. So if she breaks out with a second saber, right, that's a whole different dynamic. That's a, a different kind of agility and speed. And I don't think that that would have tactically worked against the kind of fighter that Balon is. And I think he would have ended up beating her faster if she went with two as opposed to one.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: And it's all yeah. about, yeah, the, the power and the speed and the agility that Balon has. He's a triple threat when it comes to fighting. Right. Um, and, and she needed every ounce of strength to hold to that one blade to parry his blows. If she was one-arming it and he knocked her hand away, yeah, granted she could maybe come in, you know, which, which you would do, but he is so fast and agile and experienced. I think that's another thing that we have to account for that this guy is experienced Mm -hmm. and he would defeat her faster because he could beat her defenses down physically and knock her blades out of the way or or even disarm her um, and, and putting her at a greater disadvantage. So keeping hands, both hands on the one sword, I think was the smart tactical move.
1: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That's Fair that's
2: enough. that's in my head, right? That's I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, uh, uh, you could have about the second
1: firing. one at shit and she probably would have gotten knocked out.
2: <laughs> but th- the the way that Ray Stevens was moving and the way that Rosario Dawson were moving, they weren't. They weren't doing a lot of wire act stuff. They weren't doing a lot of, you know, CGI augmentation. This is two actors on the ground with whatever counts for a prop lightsaber. Really physically working. And it was refreshing. It was so engaging to watch. Uh, I It was just a joy. In terms of lightsaber battles, this one is going in a very going on a very high ranking. Not that I have a rank right now, but it's going very high on whatever list I might ever, I might have eventually.
1: (laughs) Well, I really enjoyed it. Uh, They are doing, I saw a tweet today that was like, you know what? You can complain about Disney Star Wars all you want, but they have nailed the lightsaber fights since they took over. Yeah. I mean, you know, you even look back at the original trilogy, the lightsaber fights, you know, they were cool because they were lightsabers and they were new, but the fights are actually pretty boring. They don't do a lot of moving. It's very, very straightforward. Vader is very just, Straight cuts, nothing fancy. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and Obi Wan is like the least exciting. Right in <laughs> the, the Star Wars fight, yeah,
2: <laughs> it's true. You know, it's interesting that the the way that you're talking about Vader's fighting style, that's kind of similar to the way Balon's fighting. Mm-hmm. Right, he's he's standing there. He's not doing a lot of uh, moving around. Right, he's just parrying the blows. You know, nice right angle movements and and getting his saber right where it needs to be and doing this right. stuff. And he does the one rock throw, right, with the force. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's it's not dissimilar, we, we could say.
1: I mean, it reminds me of how there's sort of martial arts that are more in these hard styles where everything is an angle and everything is a hard stop to your movement. And yes, there are some yes. martial arts um, that are much more fluid, that are much more into sort of – keeping away from your opponents. And I think that you can, you can see how those two things are sort of represented by Ahsoka and Balon.
2: Even at the one point where Ahsoka uses her foot against one of the stones to uh, maintain uh, you know, her parry against his blade as, and sort of pushing back against it. Uh, and she's jumping around on rocks and spinning around here and there. Where yeah, his right. fighting style yeah, you're right. It, it's a very hard style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with that assessment very much. So yeah, and I think that's what was exciting about the fight in itself was that you had these two masters, two people who are at the top of their game, and it sort of goes back to the old style movies where like oh I'm from this school and oh yeah I'm from that school and okay let's check yeah, it out. Call up
1: Who's- Bruce Lee. Yep. Right. Yep. Let's he'll be go. Fine. So. Yep. All right, well, great fight. I think we can move on to Hera and Teva.
2: Can we really quickly talk about... Well, we kind of did, but just this whole thing with the map orb, really quick, The I just needed... She grabs it, and it's hot, and it burns her. That was so unexpected. Okay, and yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was just a really cool touch, and, it, and it's what actually um debilitated her slightly uh, in her right right so also does
1: do you not drop a hot object ahsoka do you not have reflexes (laughs) i don't (laughs) i don't understand maybe it's like okay well i don't want to drop it but i mean couldn't you she wants to destroy it right like she doesn't need to save this thing in her eyes sabine wants to save it why didn't she just take it and force push it into the ocean
2: that's an interesting thought. She was wearing um, – uh, Ahsoka was wearing gloves, and so it took maybe a moment. Yeah, which are now welded
1: into her f- hand. Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> very, it felt very Raiders of the Lost Ark there with uh, you know, the, the, the the staff head being burned into the one guy's hand. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, are they going to pull one of those things? I'm glad that they didn't.
1: I, I do like that it did weaken her rather yes. than with a dark side – User that would have strengthened them theoretically, Ooh, because there's pain that's good involved,
2: insight. right?
1: And they would they would use that for their power rather than you know shying away from it or allowing that to weaken them,
2: right? And then this idea that Balon, who just defeated one of the best Jedi in the universe, right, mm-hmm. in single combat, is able to defeat Shin by talking to her. And talking her through, sorry, did I say, who did I say? I meant, sorry, I meant Sabine (laughs) talking Sabine through the logic. He's like, look, you know, you, what you want is what I want. And, you know, and even takes a moment and sort of feels the force and like gets the picture. And he's like, oh, I don't need to fight, you know, this one. I I can talk this one through.
1: Calls her bluff completely.
2: Brilliant. So good.
1: Yeah. So did a great job. Now we can move on. (laughs) We can move on to Hera and Teva.
2: You know, take your kid to work day. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, can we just dumb person behavior alert? And you are going to instead of getting a babysitter, you are going to bring your son into a war zone where your ship could very easily be blown up. Crazy. What? What? And then (laughs) they give him I will say this was the biggest cringe of the episode. I've got a bad feeling, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not good. Not I, didn't good. Didn't I say
2: last episode that I just don't need the Jason storyline? I still do I don't, don't <laughs> mind
1: Jason if it's going to be good, but this wasn't good writing. This was not it good. It just wasn't good writing. No. Not the kid's fault. It was bad writing. And again, stupid person behavior by <laughs> by Hera. Don't bring your kid to your war job.
2: And is Chopper the war criminal now uh, the babysitter? <laughs> he's uncle choppy he's uncle choppy i guess right yeah so uh general syndula um i guess rebelling you know rebels gonna rebel
1: yeah i mean again a little bit of uh winking at the camera once a rebel always a rebel rebel, right remember we did that show where everyone was a rebel anyway
2: um (laughs) Or, or even to rogue one uh where uh what's her name i'm blanking her name now um Says, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a rebel, so I'm rebelling or whatever. I forget the line off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. Which, you know what? I I did like some of the dialogue. Well, when you're a general, you can disobey orders too. (laughs) That was pretty good. You know, she had some good one-liners. I do like that Hera showed up anyway. I think that's very much in her character. Yeah. I thought it was kind of silly to see, wow, look how much power that ship's emitting. Let's go closer to it.
2: Right. Let's keep flying directly in front of it. Yeah.
1: Like so, almost so through the ring. It. I did not understand that. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of silly to me. I didn't think that that was very tactical of Hera, who is known to be a very good tactician in in the it's sky, true. especially. It's true. but It was
2: cool to see the ghost flying with some X-wings, though.
1: Yes, it was. Of course, six X-wings to take down the biggest ship known to... Whatever space kind because well, they're, they're not humans.
2: <laughs> nobody, nobody knew, right? Because uh, they didn't have communications and they didn't send out right. any scouting or anything right. like that. So, you know, fair enough. But yeah, just don't fly into a, a hyperspace ring ship in you know directly as it's powering up. So right.
1: Well, and you also have. I did enjoy the inclusion of Tava. I know it's not like a guest star I was clamoring for, but he is someone who has gone a little bit rogue before to help Mando, right and I think it's in his character. I think Hera would know the people to ask to help her on this, and Tava's one of them.
2: And this is a direct connectivity, uh, connective tissue between The Mandalorian and uh, Ahsoka. Whereas, you know, we got Zeb, um, uh, most notably, I think, last season in The Mandalorian to cross connect the, the two shows. So,
1: yeah, I really hope we see Zeb by the end of the season.
2: Maybe it would be a big shame if he didn't. Yeah, maybe he comes in later. That's a good thing. And I think it's an interesting place that they've put the characters. So Hera's showing up here. Uh, Who's here? Well, Ahsoka's not here. Sabine's not here. The bad guys aren't here. It's only um, Hu Yang and uh, the uh, Fulcrum, uh, the T6, Ahsoka's T6 shuttle. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's got the information on at least what the ship is capable of, right? He's got the technical schematics, but he doesn't have any mapping information.
1: Right. Again, I, I think they're going to come back. We're probably going to have episodes where we see some drama about Hera, you know, disobeying orders on this side. And then we, you know, and also Ahsoka returning from whatever limbo she's in right now. Then on the other side, you'll see Sabine and Ezra. Reuniting, You'll see, you know, whatever's happening with Thrawn. I just saw somebody say in our Discord server, let's see who it was. It was Rocky Zim saying, wouldn't it be funny if they find Ezra and Thrawn, their best friends, playing Sabacc or something? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> yeah, would be pretty funny. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, but so now if we take this apart here, right? Ahsoka's here. Uh, Sabine and the bad guys are there. And... Hera and Hu Yang are here. I have no idea how they're going to connect this all back together. And that's a good thing. I am very happy that I cannot see the connectivity. I could make some guesses as as some plot trajectories, but I really don't have any sense of what's going to happen. And that is great because that Mm -hmm. means that they're telling me an interesting story that is not predictable and is going to surprise and delight me.
1: Much like an Aes Sedai, I don't think Balon lies. I think that he is very truthful in what he says. He just yeah, is. He doesn't evil. need to, right?
2: <laughs> it, it would so, be a waste of time and effort on his part. He knows who he sure. is. He knows what he wants. He knows where he's going. And if you get in his way, you know, right. you make a choice. You want to fight me or not? And if mm-hmm. he's going to fight you, he was saying, oh, very predictable. Oh, it's a shame. It didn't have to come to this. Right? Um, yeah. I,
1: I, how inevitable. I love that one. Yes. But. <laughs> Yeah, again, drooping with contempt. But what I think is going to happen now is he's going to be true to his word. No harm will come to Sabine.
2: Absolutely, he will
1: say, "Okay, Sabine, I told you I'd reunite with it, you with Ezra. Here you are. This is your stop. We're going to head back to the main galaxy. <laughs> you all have fun." And then they're going to have to. There's going to be a heist where they're going to have to get the the codes well, from the the big ship because it's there at least, right? There is still a map. It's just on that ship. It's On the Eye Mike. of Scion.
2: Question. Everybody's saying, oh, well, we'll just jump to this other galaxy where Thrawn, and we'll just find them magically, right? We'll just, you know, oh, we'll just luckily stumble onto the right planet. Nobody knows what that galaxy is about. Nobody knows if they're still alive. Nobody knows where they would be even in that galaxy. I I thought they
1: did know where they are in that galaxy for some
2: reason. No, they just know the hyperspace Um. route. Just because mm. you get to the end of the bus stop doesn't mean that you get to town. You get to a city, and you're like, "Oh, I got to go to my friend's apartment." Right. Well, you're at the transit center. They they live across town. How are you going to get across town? How are you going to find them? Nobody right. knows. I mean, only Morgan hears Thrawn calling through time and space. Yeah. Other than that, it's. Nobody, nobody has any idea of what's in this other galaxy.
1: We may need to get a little, a little timey wimey with it, a little, a little, little forcey worsy <laughs> with it.
2: Forcey worsy, I like
1: it. Yeah, yeah. All right,
2: you want to talk about your boy?
1: Oh, my boy's back. I we knew Hayden was coming in for this series. Yeah, we thought it would be flashbacks, but no, we have Hayden as young Anakin in the world between worlds. Which, by the way, interesting choice that they de-aged him here, but didn't de-age him in the Obi-Wan series. Mm-hmm. And the Obi-Wan series, he was supposed to be younger than he is here because he was supposed to be Attack of the Clones era.
2: I don't know why. Yeah. it's And a lot of people are – are. there's a lot of chatter about the de-aging. And I just I'm, – I'm just going to ignore it. I'm like, whatever. They're going to do what they're going to do. It's weird. Nobody looking. wants
1: it. I hope that they're looking at the discourse of like, please don't do this. <laughs> it's yeah. just so weird. It is weird. So weird. It's uncanny valley. Like he did not look human. He looked otherworldly.
2: So for for folks who haven't seen Rebels, and this is their first time in the world between worlds, what is there uh, for us to say anything here?
1: Well, first of all, I would say, is this the world between worlds? Because I'm not totally sure either.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. Why? I've,
1: I've seen people calling it that, and I'm curious why they are. Please write in. If you uh-huh. have a good explanation, it – it, I, I don't know if it's that or if it's some kind of cosmic force kind of deal because we know that when Jedi die – when people die in general, when living things die, they go back – they return to the cosmic force. But there's ways that light side users have found to maintain their identity in the cosmic force and become individuals again, right? Find their – keep their individual identity You've got Qui-Gon being the first major character who does that, followed by Obi-Wan, Yoda, and then Anakin somehow, which there's still debate over how Anakin, after being Vader for so long, was able to do this. But I guess you can argue that, like, okay, Obi-Wan snatched his soul up and taught him how to manifest. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You kind of have to do some gymnastics on that one. Right. But. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is the World Between Worlds, and I'm just wrong here. But I'm not fully convinced yet. I hope somebody will write in and clarify the, the thoughts on that.
2: So the World Between Worlds was a mystical, magical place from the Rebels animated series where mm-hmm. Ezra divisive, was able. Extremely yes, divisive. Extremely, divisive yeah.
1: Because people did not like introducing time travel to Star Wars.
2: Or and- just multi-dimensional, time- mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, uh, dimensional, wenchinal I don't know what's mm-hmm. that. What's the cutesy way of saying multi-dimensional? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it felt very odd for Star Wars when I first saw that episode. I was like, "Huh, is this really what mm-hmm. I want? You know, I, I want space wizards and and you know, laser swords. Do I really want you know, multi-dimensional time trippy stuff?"
1: Tell a new story in Star Wars. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but anyway, I just to explain what it is briefly, if you didn't listen to our Ahsoka prep series, which I would recommend you do because it's, it's good. But the second one about Rebels talked about how Ezra went into the world between worlds via a Jedi Temple, where he was given the opportunity to save two people. Well, and later his parents, but mainly two people, uh, which were first Ahsoka, who he did save automatically without thinking about it. Pulled her away from a killing blow from Vader, saved her, and she was able to survive her duel with Vader at the end of season two. Then she was given a neck another. He was given another opportunity to save Kanan, who had sacrificed himself for the crew of the Ghost. Ahsoka said, "Look, dude, you can save him, but then the rest of you are going to die too, because he saved you with his sacrifice. You know, he. I think he used the Force to hold back an explosion or something like that. Uh-huh. And if if you pull Kanan away there, then you will all be dead." Right, And that was a hard decision, but Ezra was like, okay, it's time to let go. And that was a big step for Ezra.
2: And that was what allowed him to then sacrifice himself for uh, when when he took out Thrawn. Right. Because he could see that decision as a valid way and the thing to do in the moment.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the character development in in Rebels is always excellent, always just really – on point, And that was one of the better endings of a character I thought was this self-sacrifice that he learned from his master. And that's why I do like his relationship with Kanan, unlike others, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like Kanan. I didn't say anything yeah, about their relationship. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, so, nothing- so the question is, are they bringing it back here? Is, is Anakin now going to save snips? Is that going to happen?
2: That's the, yeah, that's a natural conclusion. And the, the world between world was, it was only ever in that one episode, right?
1: It was like a few episodes, but yeah, that one arc.
2: Yeah, right. And so you, it never before or after that we never really got any development of the of the concept of the world between worlds.
1: No, we didn't. And we had uh, a different episode, a different arc, rather in the Clone Wars that was on the planet Mortis, which was like the Force encapsulated in a planet with manifestations of it, and it was trippy. And that was connected to the world between worlds. So we know that the world between worlds is bigger than just that Jedi temple. Okay, but we don't know how big it goes. We don't know how to get to it. We don't know how to get back, other than that one Jedi temple.
2: Right. So yeah, we uh, we have a lot. I mean, they really left us out <laughs> with uh, to to dry here. They they hung us out, uh, and we have a lot, we have to wait a whole week to figure out what the heck's going to happen next. I know. Um,
1: I know. I can't wait to see what happens with Anakin now. This, this is this is cool stuff. I I love Anakin Skywalker as a character. Mm-hmm. I think that they, you know, George Lucas obviously Anakin butchered Stan. his dialogue, but man, in the Clone Wars, he was so developed, and I and I can't wait for them to bring that a little bit more into live action too.
2: Right. I'm looking at the scene right now, and uh it does very feel it does very much feel like the world between worlds
1: it does and i'm not i'm not opposed to it being the world between worlds. I just want to hear why it has to be that
2: right right i
1: don't know if it does i'm not convinced
2: she looks really happy when she turns around and sees him mm-hmm. a, she lights up the,
1: in a way that joy. she has not right yeah
2: she's always so flat and dour mm-hmm. And she turns and she's, yeah, it's just a a big, oh, my God, I I can't believe it's you. I'm so glad to see you. Um, And then they cue the Darth Vader music. (laughs) Ah, He's fine. He's not vader
1: right now. Interesting, though, that he's he's in his late Revenge of the Sith outfit. But I guess that's Mm -hmm. the last time he was Anakin Skywalker. That would make sense for it to be his manifestation in the Force.
2: Right. Very cool. Good stuff. Uh, Should we get into some feedback really quick? Let's do it. All right, we got a couple pieces of a reminder that you can send us feedback to starwars@thelorehounds.com, or you can jump on to our Discord and say, post a message and uh, you can either flag one of us or if you've you know, sort of got a nice definitive statement about something, we can uh, make sure to include it. Or you can head over to our website and use the voicemail or the contact form and send us those things. And stick around to the end of the feedback. We've got Alicia's lore bomb. Uh, She's got some cool information about force users who aren't so strong in the ways of using the force. So uh, first up, we've got Pele via email. Uh, Pele says, you mentioned Sabine being weak in the force. Oh, well, this this ties in nicely with what uh, Alicia's going to talk us about. Maybe
1: we'll just do it next then. <laughs> yeah.
2: Granted, it's been a hot minute since uh, I watched Rebels, but from what I remember, she's force sensitive, not a force user, meaning she cannot manipulate it on her own will, but... Can make use of noticing <laughs> noticing fuckery and somewhat heightened reflexes. That's for a, technical a real
1: Jedi term, actually. That's a, they absolutely. That in, they in the, teach the that outlines. in the academy. Yeah. yeah.
2: For the real world analogy, she's able to understand and make commentary on a game of sports ball, but not, cannot play herself. Jedi training is always fun to see, and what a tense scene, even given given the stakes are zero since when do they have color holograms, right? This is referring back to the training scene with Hu Yang last episode. Sad to see Hera being out of the action. I was honestly captivated by the whole episode. I forgot to take notes. That's a good grade, I'd say.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So in Rebels, they did not really put a label on Sabine's ability in the Force. I think they Uh implied that she was not Force-sensitive at all. Right. Because Kanan basically said, you know, you got to stop trying to fight like a Jedi. You're not going to succeed that way. Fight like a Mandalorian, but with the Darksaber. Right. And that's a different vibe. And, and, you know, we've seen other Mandalorians do that, right? We've seen Din do it. We've seen especially Bo-Katan do it. And uh, it's it's cool to see when they finally let go of this need to be like a Jedi and they fight in a way that makes sense for them.
2: And this is what I was saying Uh, the other podcast back was with regards to Han Solo. You know, I thought that there was some sensitivity, you know, around him, you know, that's, that's why he's good at, you know, games of chance, or that's why he can draw a little bit quicker is because the force is moving through him, but he's just not consciously using it in the way uh, that a trained Jedi would.
1: I think, I think Ahsoka basically said, you know, you don't have, you know, the force is within everybody. <laughs> I think she kind of said there, yeah, you're yeah. not special, but you can you can use training to sort of tap into it a little bit.
2: Right. Yeah. You're not I special think with the
1: force, rather, I should say, because she, she has special skills. You know, she's very smart, very technical uh, and a very good warrior with Mandalorian weapons and learning how to add light force usage to her arsenal would be a great tool
2: yeah even just being centered and focused in a fight as opposed to you know using anger to fuel your your fight moves right Mm -hmm. i think even that just you know jedi training of just remaining calm and keeping your wits about you even that is a tactical advantage in a in a fight
1: yeah there's a whole thing in the wheel of time books that when a certain character wants to channel and is learning to channel They rely on sword training they got from their father as a child where he said, you know, focus on this void and a flame burning within the void and just keep your mind there. Keep all your thoughts within the flame and that will that will keep you centered.
0: And this
1: ends up being something that translates really well into channeling, but Mm -hmm. does not need to be part of channeling. It can help you with sword fighting, too. It can help you with all these other things in life. And so yeah I, I think that you're right the same th- the same disciplines that help you with the force probably help you with other aspects of fighting
2: Should we check out Alicia's uh, voicemail now then uh, since yeah. we're kind of talking about this topic let's do it
0: Hi, Alicia here. Uh, that was a good mid-season episode of Ahsoka. I had to pause and laugh when the Maroc reveal happened. Um, <laughs> but hey, that looked like Sister magic, so Darth Maul Force Ghost is still on the table. Just okay. saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, but I seem to be in maybe the minority with being glad Sabine didn't destroy the map and went with Balin and Shin. Um, I'm dying to see what's in the other galaxy, of course. And if you've seen my social media posts, you know I want Sabine and Shin to spend more time together. But after their confrontation, uh, you have no power. I'm really interested to see where their power dynamic goes from here. Um, Sabine's not the first person with little to no aptitude in the Force, uh, a low M count, so to speak, to try to become a Jedi. Of course, there were the Guardians of the Wills, uh, the Order that Chirrut Imwe, the Blind Force monk from Rogue One, belonged to. And uh, there have been plenty of non-Force users who have wielded lightsabers, from General Grievous to all the Mandalorian darksaber wielders, including Sabine herself and Rebels. Um, The weapon apparently just feels heavier to those weak in the Force, and they have to be more careful since they don't have the extra senses attuned to help them avoid hurting themselves with their own blade. But none of those people were trying to be Jedi. There were some who did in Legends, uh, because Lucas has always said he wants everyone to feel they could become a Jedi, and he passed this attitude on to his heir, Filoni. But uh, even in Legends, a few weak in the Force ended up as actual Jedi. The Jedi Services Corps was there to sweep up younglings and Padawans who didn't pass their tests and put them to humanitarian work and later soldiering during the Clone Wars, which we know thanks to reference books that have confirmed the Corps was also part of the new canon. So, yeah, most non-Force sensitives basically get to be aides to the Jedi. But the best example, and I have to credit the excellent Star Wars Explained YouTube channel for bringing this to my attention, uh, comes from a short story, What a Jedi Makes, from the collection Stories of Jedi and Sith. The story was set during the High Republic, which is the era a few hundred years before Darth Vader's time. And uh, this is the era the TV show The Acolyte will be set in next year and the incredible looking Eclipse RPG game coming soon, too. And yeah, it's huge focus of the books in the comic side right now. So they're setting up some through lines between the High Republic and the other eras, like the New Republic era in which Ahsoka takes place. Uh, but yeah, hundreds of years before that, during the High Republic most non-Force users who wanted to play Jedi joined the Church of the Force, but not everyone was happy with that, apparently. In the story, What a Jedi Makes, it's about a kid who tries to fake his way into the Jedi Academy with falsified blood tests and everything. Um, And the Jedi, they're not fooled for a second, of course, but when he helps him stop a kidnapping and he fesses up to faking, Yoda's like, you think midichlorians are what make Jedi? And one of the Padawans says, no master with common sense cares about blood tests. And Yoda says, the Force is not what a Jedi makes. And yeah, sorry, that sounds more like uh, Bane the Batman (laughs) villain, but you get the idea. Um, Yoda tells the kid to study the writings of Lear Farseeker, who was weak in the Force, but wrote some of the most influential books in Jedi history, um, including one we learn in the junior novelization of The Rise of Skywalker. That's in the library of the school that Luke's starting to build. um, The one that he asked Grogu to be his first student of in the book of Boba Fett. So maybe, to throw a fun theory, I don't actually believe, on the table, um, maybe when we see Ahsoka talking to Luke in the Book of Boba Fett, she's asking to borrow that book for Sabine.
1: Hmm. That'd be fun.
2: Boy, every time uh, Alicia sends us information from the deep lore archives, I'm always blown away. It's like my brain is bing-bonging off in multiple directions. It's so it
1: does feel like a bomb, doesn't it? She calls yeah. it a lore bomb. And, right. And uh, I, I, I think that's right.
2: It has gone off in my head. I don't even know what to think. Uh, I I love all these callbacks and I love all these ideas. I really am interested in both the Alkalite um, title that hopefully will come if the studios can ever.
1: Did they finish filming? on? I think they might have finished filming on it. Did they?
2: Okay. That would be great. Let's see. But yeah, I'm definitely looking for that, and I, I would love to see some um, High Republic stuff going back into the future and getting the sensibility of, of what Balon is is bringing us here with the – like real knights. Okay. Right? Not a bunch of yeah. robed, ponytailed, you know, um, whatevers, <laughs> but mm-hmm. some, some actual Arthurian-style knights would be very cool.
1: I can also, by the way, give you assurance. They they finished filming in June, so it is still slated for 2024, thankfully.
2: Interesting. We have something to cover. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Fingers crossed. Okay. Thanks, Alicia. That was amazing, uh, as always. And uh, I'm totally psyched to to, uh, see what happens in episode five as well.
1: All right. Next up is Loremaster Eric F., who says, hi, guys. Hi, Eric. Regarding the recasting of Luke, I'd be all for it. There are actually rumors out there that fans are clamoring for Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier. Uh, I have attached a picture which has Sebastian Stan's face photoshopped onto Mark Hamill's from episode four. And I think the resemblance is uncanny, but I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. Keep up the excellent work. This is the best 10 bucks a month I spend. Loremaster Eric F. Hey, thanks, Eric. That was, that was very kind of you, especially. And I'm glad that you're getting some value out of this.
2: Yeah. And thank you for being uh, a lore master for so long, too. It yeah. really means a lot to us to have uh, the support of our patrons. So we'll give you a shout out later.
1: It's it's really excellent to see that people stick around for a long time because it means that we're doing something right. Exactly. And uh, as far as your actual comments on the Star Wars show, uh, Sebastian Stan, I, I could see it. I think he was good as a winter soldier. I think he could do broody Luke. I think he could do peaceful Luke. And uh, yeah. What do you think, David?
2: Um, I'm not opposed. Uh, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it. If you if you Google Sebastian Stan Luke, there's so many images come up
1: <laughs> right it, away. It, I mean, Eric is absolutely right. It looks exactly like Mark Hamill. It's right. almost not a difference.
2: And I hadn't really thought about the issue until you brought it up last podcast, and I am now I think more open to the idea of finding, you know, a good actor who has the right physical, you know, general persona profile. And then if you support them and they're a good actor, they will be able to do it and we will be satisfied and be happy. Right. And it's all about making sure that that person is set up for success.
1: Yeah. You you really got to recast Luke at some point because it's going to start not making sense that he doesn't show up for all of these major events in the galaxy
2: <laughs> when he is right. Right. When he's mm-hmm. still around, right. This isn't from before, before or after, after this is
1: Where, Luke where's Itero. Luke. Oh, he's right over there. He just yeah. missed him. Yeah. It's, it's he's going to start away. feeling silly.
2: Yeah. Agreed.
1: Mm-hmm. And please don't deep fake him. Please stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's, just it's, hire it's, an actor, right. hire yes. an actor <laughs> and pay them. Yes, exactly. all right J cubed on the Discord says wanted to provide a bit of feedback on something I have heard on a couple podcasts that have conflated Zatochi and Zatoichi. Zatochi is the uh, lightsaber form lat- I think it's Zatoichi actually. Yeah. Zatoichi is the famous Japanese blind swordsman character. the 2003 with beat Takeshi being among my favorite movies. They're very similar and maybe there is some homage there, but they are spelled and pronounced differently. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. It's probably an homage. Especially, you know, Lucas, we know, was very into the whole, you know, uh martial arts comparisons and and, and samurai as well. So he was he was pulling from all these influences.
2: Yeah, and to to, to then put a um shield helmet on uh Sabine's face so that she can't see so that she becomes blind. It's totally homage, right? It's totally connected. And I could see it absolutely as a as a Dave Filoni kind of thing. It's like, oh, this would be cool. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, cool. All right. Well that's it for listener feedback this episode. Thanks everyone for writing in. Again, you can write into Star Wars at the lorehounds.com or head to our website or our Discord server if you want to write in. Head to the show notes for that. Speaking of show notes or show scheduling we've got a lot going on david we've got our affiliates (laughs) A little too much (laughs) well yep we've got our affiliates uh who are doing their thing on their feeds we've got properly howard movie review doing their uh remake season which is really fun they're talking about all these movies you don't even have to watch them and it's just a good time they'll be talking about random things and joking around you've got steve the stand-up comedian And Anthony, the academic, and they just really bounce off each other. Well, it's like hanging out with your friends, making crazy jokes right now. uh, After this episode, the next thing that's going to drop is The Wicker Man, which if you've ever seen that it's going
2: to be hilarious to listen to.
1: It's an insane movie where Nick Cage is just his full insane self. So I cannot wait to hear what they have to say about that one. Of course, you can check out Dune Part 1, which we were on. You can check out RoboCop, The Wolfman. Already that's on their feed. So subscribe to Properly Howard Movie Review. You can find that in the show notes. You'll also find in the show notes a link to Wool Shift Dust Does Dune, which is Alicia's feed. You heard Alicia earlier tonight on her lore bomb. But now you get to hear her talk about a different galaxy far, far away. Uh, which is that of dune she'll be on arrakis with you giving you spice by the truckload <laughs> and making sure that you're prepared for the second movie that's gonna come sometime next year
2: yeah so I got kicked to 2024 so which is a, a shame and I think she's got to recalibrate her schedule a little bit with um, her lineup of uh, dune related uh, stuff but uh, I'm pretty sure that's in the works so
1: yep. All right, so back to us because, you know, we're, we're the main attraction. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, back to us because you're already here. and You probably would like maybe some other things from us. We're doing Foundation and Wheel of Time as our full coverage show is alongside Ahsoka right now. You can find weekly coverage on our main feed if you're not on that. So check that out. We're doing some recalibrating on how we're doing our monthly uh, podcasts. I, I, uh, I should say our regular podcasts. We're going to make sure right. that we get them out regularly but that we don't um completely destroy our personal lives either so (laughs) we are we'll let you know when other episodes are coming but for now you can still expect weekly coverage of foundation wheel of time and ahsoka through those series ends plus more later in the month definitely a silmarillion story and a lorehounds play
2: a quick note about foundation we're coming up on the end and if you've been watching that show We want to make sure that you know that we're going to have a season wrap up podcast. And so right when uh, episode 10 drops, get your feedback into us as soon as you can, because about a week later, we're going to drop our season recap and we're going to have Marilyn Arpikila, our favorite Tolkien scholar on board with us because she's a big foundation fan as well. And if you've been on our Discord at all, you know that she is um, chiming in left and right with all kinds of interesting stuff. Every episode, we get a really great, dense email from her, and we just figured she would be a perfect person to have on to talk through the the season finale. So make sure you get those uh, feedbacks to Empire at uh, thelorehounds.com uh, as soon as you can, right after episode 10 is over.
1: And don't forget, we did a an interview with... Uh- I yes. almost said Dave Filoni. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be a with, fun uh, conversation. It would be.
1: But we we had a, an excellent conversation with David S. Goyer, who is the showrunner of Foundation. So if you, you're going to want to check that out. Even if you're not watching the show, I think it's a cool conversation to hear how the process works on the production. You can hear him talk about He even talks about a little bit of how we worked on Batman, which is pretty
2: cool. Yeah. And it's, you know, we didn't really, there, a, a good chunk of our conversation with him was not necessarily show specific. It was process. It was how do you do right, writing? Right. How do you do casting? It was a, a a much wider ranging conversation. So, yeah, like as you said, John, it doesn't mean you don't have to be tied to the show to, to get something really interesting from that conversation.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's it for programming notes tonight. But We've got one more thing to get through, which is our Patreon lore master shout outs. Of course, we've mentioned that we have a Patreon and that it is the best way to support us. If you like what we're doing well, you can join for this as little as $3 a month and even get a free trial right now, which I've seen a lot of people starting to take advantage of. So that's yeah, cool. It's a cool feature. Uh, yeah. And uh, but we do have a top tier, which is our lore masters. They pay 10 bucks a month. They are our highest tier supporters. And one of their benefits is. They get a an episode shout out every single episode. So uh, here is our current list. We've got some Martian Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O. H, Beatina W, uh, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Doove 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andre B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, and our newest lore master just a couple hours ago, Aaron T.
2: Yeah. Who
1: actually missed the Wheel of Time podcast because we pre recorded that. So sorry, Aaron, but you will get a shout out here and on all our future podcasts. So
2: thanks, thanks for so joining much. Aaron. Great yeah, to Thanks, have
1: Aaron. You. Thanks to everyone, all our patrons for helping support us, helping justify this time commitment and to talk about <laughs> nerdy tv and uh yeah this has been great and it's been fun talking about star wars with you again david i think this was a really fun conversation and i'm looking forward to next week
2: yeah i'm i am uh, super excited uh i have yeah i've i've been waiting for this kind of vibe and this kind of excitement in our live action star wars show so excellent yeah.
1: all right david see you then lorehounds podcast is produced and published by the lorehounds you can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehoundscom contact get early and ad free access to all lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com thelorehounds and connect with us on twitter at the lorehounds any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities thanks for listening